You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so Bezras Hashem, we're going to be continuing with uh, Rabbi Nachman's Maisame Bitachon and our own particular humble understanding of Maisame Bitachon and some of the, the hints that emerge from it. And everything, all of the Torah, all of the insights should be Le'ile Nishmas, my, my, my Safta, Esther Bastova, and it should also be Le'ile Nishmas, my uncle, my uncle David ben Harav Yisrael. Bezras Hashem, the Torah and any insight should be uh, should be a hisayrus to be mamshich, you know, limitzchus uh, and all of the good things, and that it should be melitze yosher for Kal Yisrael, Bezras Hashem. So, what we got up to last week was um, was the fixer's first encounter. The fixer's first encounter with the reality that things are not always going to be okay. In the beginning, the fixer was able to find just broken things anywhere and fix them, and he was able to make the money he needed for that night's Suda. And the Suda was the Suda, that Suda where the king finally saw that there could be such a person in this world who doesn't worry whatsoever. And the, the fixer comes out the next morning after the king says, Akalkalozos, let's see how far he can take this koach. And the fixer finds that he can no longer fix broken things. And we said that people explained to him that you can't fix broken things anymore because the king decreed that we either have to fix them ourselves or buy them anew. And the king has decreed that we can't give broken objects over to fixers in order to fix them anymore. Almost as if the people had to learn how to fix it for themselves. And so we had the girsa, the two mashmaut in one textual expression of this story. It says, And it was negative in his eyes, and his eyes darkened a little bit, but he had trust in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we saw that in the other girsa, it had only that it was unpleasant in his eyes, but it doesn't say And we explained after explaining the concept of bitachon according to the shitos, and then with the Rebbe Shlita's approach to to the nekuda hapanimis of bitachon. So we said that it's uh, that It's written and it's not written because the the quality of bitachon, the quality of amuna, is that it necessitates a certain falling away from Amuna and Bitachon in order to make Amuna and Bitachon something applicable. It's dependent on darkness. Without that darkness, without that element of concealment, there's no room for trust. When everything is clear, a person doesn't need a trust. It's a level above Bitachon, so to speak. So the 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 the, the, the of Bitachon, and this is true with Amuna as well, because as the Ramban showed us, Amuna is the Shairish and Bitachon is the pre, is the thing that comes out from Amuna. 
is that for Amuna, it's an Indian of the Amunascha Balelos, that a person can only truly come upon faith at nighttime. And the same is true with Bitachon, Bitzchu Bahashem Ad that a person reaches odds in their lives, limitations, ad va'ad b'chlal. The word ad, generally speaking, represents a, a limit, or a person hits a wall that something cannot continue beyond this point. And Chazal, in their, in their holy wisdom, have taught us that even endings are a questionable concept. You have a sugya of ad va'ad b'chlal or ad v'loyad b'chlal. Is the ending include the thing that is beyond the ending, the true ending, or is it only the first sense of an ending that doesn't really have access to the second type of an ending. There's ad, va'ad, b'chlal, there's different limits. And a limit in a person's life is where a person no longer sees things clearly. The corners of a person's life, as the tzaddikim point out, is the place where it can't see beyond the corner, which is why we have to specifically wear tefillin, uh, not tefillin, tzitzis at the corners of our lives, to remind ourselves specifically when we can't see anymore, to remember, to have bitachon. Bitachon is a, a confrontation with the limitations on a person's life, and it's the limitations themselves, like we said, which create the opportunity for bitachon. So bitachon, by nature, has to be batach v'hashem ve'ino batach v'hashem. One girsa has to say he had bitachon, one girsa doesn't. And we said it was the aspect of Noah, which is maimin ve'ino maimin, that he believed and he didn't believe in the very same moment, and that that's not a a quantitative question, but rather a qualitative question of a certain form of emuna that takes into it the consideration of the opposite of Amunah as well. And anyway, our fixer continues, and he goes on. He's not too perturbed. He's bothered, but that botheredness, that, uh, that frustration did not affect his capacity to, to actually act. It was miyad. Right away, he went into action mode. He didn't get caught up in the frustration, but he sensed the frustration. He acknowledged the frustration, and he tapped into this place called bitachon, which is ultimately the whole purpose of this story. Again, bitachon, that ability to taste the future within the present, a moment of everything being okay. And immediately the fixer said, okay, so let's find another way to, to make money for tonight's suda, the eye on the prize. The suda is the main thing. The ability to enter into that place of lo haya lo klau. This is the secret of the fixer. He knows that at the end of the day, at night, he can go back home and experience that moment of the suda, which is mamisha suda, where there's nothing wrong, and the person is ach batach b'ashem, sitting there with emuna and bitachon, and sitting there b'shleimus, b'chedvas ha-shleimus ha-demalka kadisha, in the, in the joyous kingship of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence. That, that ability of a Jew to sit at their table, on their couch, wherever it is in their quiet, broken-down home with its foundation stuck in the mud, and the windows looking out, but looking out, mamish so close in proximity to the, the mud of the world, sitting in, in those homes with the broken roofs and sitting there quietly with the harp that's playing a very, very silent tune. Our ability to do that and enter into a place of simcha and enter into a place of shleimus hakol as if I have everything, that was the main goal of the fixer. And in order to have that suda, in order to, to have that experience, he needed money. And in order to have money, he needed to, to do something. He did, he, he, his position, his sense of self was not dependent on any particular way of expressing himself. He could go easily from one job to the next because in truth, the notion of fixing something is the notion of transcending the boundaries of differences. Everything is broken and everything needs fixing. And so yes, the fixer has a flexibility, says, okay, I can't fix things anymore. At least I'll be able to go and you know cut down trees as we're going to see. 
but in truth, it's not only that the fixer could fix things and then he could also go and cut down trees and also go and clean stables. The secret of fixing things is that everything in the world is your material. If a person is a fixer in whatever they do, then everything that we see is simply an opportunity to see what's broken and to see how it can be fixed and what I can do to fix it. And as Mamela, okay, so I can't be a fixer with broken objects. I could fix other situations because every situation is just something in need of fixing. And so the fixer walks ahead and he goes and he sees somebody we said, he, he sees one person, a gvir echad shechot eitzim. Gvir echad. Gvir echad. This notion of gvir, my, my good friend David Bashefkin, Rav David Bashefkin has a, has a Torah about gvir culture, which is a really deep and, and penetrating insight into like a socio-capitalistic spirituality of, of the way Jewish people are functioning in this particular moment. A very, you know, everything David does is wonderful like that. It's an Indian in 1840. Uh, 1840 was Mamish, a time of redemption, because the secret of the redemption of 1840 is that redemption doesn't have to come in order for there to be redemption. Everything is part of slow and steady flow of a perpetual redemption. But there was a speak, uh, he was mentioning this notion of Gvir culture. So for a second, let's think about this, this scenario with our understanding of Gavir as you know, materialistic success or a sense of certitude and, and, and a firm standing on this earth because of whatever material aspects we were capable of, uh, of acquiring for ourselves, this aspect of Kayin. So imagine this person, this Gavir, who's mamish, you know, implanted in his selfhood. And the fixer goes and he sees a Gvir who's cutting down trees. So already a stark paradox between this notion of this person who, who's well-established or has a sense of self, versus the need to cut down trees. So what does the fixer ask him? Why are you doing this? Why exactly are you cutting down trees right now? So that question of why, you know, is everything, but it's really the secret of the turkey prince on a certain level. That the chiddush, that the wisdom of the, of the chacham who, who sees the prince underneath the table, unaware of the fact, unaware of the fact that he's a prince and thinking that he's truly a turkey and he has no place, the chacham gets under there and he sees what the person is doing. He doesn't ignore what the turkey is doing. He doesn't ignore what the prince is doing. He asks him, why are you doing this? There's got to be a reasoning behind your madness. You know, it's all cunning and baffling in, in any way that we try and function. So there's got to be a reasoning. And the Chiddush of the Chacham was that he sat there and he paid attention to the individual expressing the particular symptom and not just to the symptom itself. And, and ultimately what the, what the Chacham does in that place is he, he doesn't convince the turkey prince that he's not a turkey at all. The, they both remain a turkey. The Chacham himself admits, I'm a turkey also, I'm just faking it as well. But nobody said, you can't fake it and sit at the table. And so the turkey says, okay, I'll still be a turkey at the top of the table. It's still imagination. But what he does is he asks him this question of, why are you doing this? Why are you doing what you're doing? What, what is happening here? And that question can be asked on many, many levels, depending on the mood a person is in. Is this in accordance with your kavod? And again, these questions are so penetrating. We're not going to go too deeply into them because I want to make a little headway in the narrative. But every word represents a different psychological world and a different... Uh, 
you know, issue as well as capacity towards growth inherent in all of these particular questions that are being written. But anyway, he says, is this really in accordance with your honor, you gvir, that you should be cutting down trees? Amar lo. And this, this Gvir answers the fixer. He says, no, I went to try and find somebody who could do this. And I couldn't find anybody. And I was forced to do it on my own. Again, it's a, a sense of the expression of self through labor and, and work as, as emerging from a place of lack. There's nobody else doing this for me. And therefore, I have to do it. It's a bidi eved. It's a bidi eved for me. It's not a lechat chila. But because I couldn't find someone to do it, I was forced to do it myself. So here the fixer sees his capacity to fix because most people, most of us, all of us, my, I can only speak for myself, don't know the answer to, to lama tacho tevetzim, why are you cutting down these trees? Why are you doing this exactly? Why are you working to connect HaKadosh Baruch in this way? And immediately the fixer says, okay, so let me allow you to do what you think you want to do and let me take your place. Let me fix this broken need over here. I didn't find anybody. The fixer says, uh, Let me cut with you. So they cut together. And this gvir gave him a gold coin. The fixer saw that this was good. The thing that forced the fixer to move into another space of worship of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of selfhood, of experience, was the fact that he could no longer fix broken things. And his eyes became darkened to the world. He started looking at the world as a result of circumstances. And if it's a result of circumstances, we're always behind the eight ball because circumstances have absolutely nothing to do with us. And he saw the world as being a, you know, a dark place. People were strange. And, and, and what, what we're trying to get to is that the darkness is from his eyes. We, rep, we, we expressed this last week also. The darkness is from his eyes. So when he finds another place to make money or to express himself, he started seeing good again. The problem was with the eyes and the fixing was with the eyes. The problem was a matter of vision and the fixing is a matter of vision. If, like we used to say to ourselves, that the problem is something external, and we're not talking about capital E external problems. The, those are, you know, that's a place of Ishtadlis. Lowercase e issues. It used to be that we would, uh, we would assume that the problem was emerging from outside of us. There was some external cause, some factor in our lives that was contributing to our you know, maladaptive behavior or negative way of thinking or negative self-talk. But with a cognitive re revolution, which is an aspect of, of the capacity for each person to see their world in their days, for each of us to realize that ultimately it's all the machshava and we live in a world of machshava and our job is to fix in the mind because ultimately we don't have control over anything else. But before we came to that understanding, it used to be assumed that it was some externalized problem. And over here, we're seeing that, no, in truth, the problem was from the eyes. And if the problem is from the eyes, then the solution is from the eyes. If, God forbid, the problem was from elsewhere, then we would have to find the solution from elsewhere. 
And one of the tenets of of Emuna Pshuta Pidivir Hat Sadikim is the belief that I have everything I need in this moment. That I have everything I need. That I could be here present right now and find within my natural capacity to, to be mamtik, to sweeten the bitter. And we know now that we have that possibility <coughs> because the problem comes from the eyes and the solution comes from the eyes. It's a way of looking. It's a way of looking at the world very often. It's a derech of histaklus. How am I going to choose to look at the scenario? Am I going to look at the scenario with eyes of vihira be'enav? It was a bad thing. Or am I going to see this situation with eyes of ra'akitov? It was good. Each and every person, every one of us, has the capacity to do that at every moment. Rav Dessler, Slusio writes in, I, I forget which volume, but um, based on the Maimar Chazal, that the book and the sword descended from on high, intertwined with one another. To teach that one who has the book doesn't have the sword, and one who has the sword doesn't have the book. And Kedarcha B'Kodesh, what Rav Dessler says, is that every moment, is either safer or Saif. Every moment of a person's life offers itself up to the aspect of Sefer, which is turning that moment into Torah, seeing it with eyes of good, that secret of the Oistes and the Luchos Ashnios, which holds it all together. The Torah is that our job is to learn how to see good. is the end of the entirety of the Torah. It's the Gushpanka, the stamp of what the Torah is telling us. That Le'enei Kol Yisrael, that we should come to finally understand in our eyes and in our hearts, that Bereshis Baraleikim. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu created and creates and will continue to create the world at every moment. And in those moments, a person has the ability to choose to, to see good. Le'enei Kol Yisrael, to choose to see good one moment after the next. And so he sees that it's good sees that it's good. And he continued, and he went ahead, and he continued, you know, doing what worked. He went with the flow, so to speak, and he was cutting down trees. And again, it wasn't cutting down trees for the sake of unabashed wealth and and, and material success, which is ultimately sometimes our only way of, of freeing ourselves from anxiety. The more we have, the more we know that we're good to go, all of which are the most important thing in the world on the one hand, but also like our tzaddikim say, that our gods become gods of kesev and zahav. So this person was not working without an end goal in mind. This person, this fixer had decided that he needed shisha zahuvim. He needed to make six gold coins. And then he was able to buy the entire Suda. He, he didn't work without direction. There was a direction that informed the amount of space that his Hishtadlis his would take. It was, it was set. It was Kavua. It was a Kavua Dika thing. It, there was a permanent kind of notion and the limitation of what the true utilization of Mammon and, and which is the Nikuda of Tzedakah, which Rabbi Nachman describes as the element of Messias Nefesh. Every single Jewish person is Moser Nefesh every day. The dogma, Rabbi Nachman says, and we know from the tzaddikim that any dogma, any example that Rabbi Nachman gives is, yes, it's an example for every other example, but this example expresses a particular truth that none of the other examples can give. And Rabbi Nachman's example of what it means that each and every day we're Moser Nefesh. So it's no longer something that the tzaddikim alone experience. It's now something that each and every one of us experiences. 
When is that Mesiris Nefesh? Ledugma, when an Ish Yisraeli gives an Akuda or Pruta Tzedakah. Why? Because Hadam Hu HaNefesh, and a person puts their hard effort and, 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 and labor, both spiritual as well as physical labor, in the truest sense of the word, of, of Pu'ula, what the Leshem speaks so much about, this Indian of, of the theory of the power of labor and its, and its perpetual expression, so, so over here, we see that he's going to limit it. He's going to set a limit to it. So why is it shisha zuhuvim? I'm um, sorry. So what Rabbi Nachman says is that when a person takes their hard-earned money, which they put their entire essence of self into, so nimsa, that our possessions and our material gains are, are now part and parcel of our self. It's not stam to own something. It's not stam to have kesef and mamon and this his this this openness and expansivity and again wealth is is not simply material wealth it's spiritual wealth each and every person is is the ashir shabba ashirim in one aspect of their lives and and the most impoverished of of any human being imaginable in their lives and more often than not it, they happen to be the same ex, the two experiences of the same exact moment that so ashirish doesn't mean just material wealth here but he, he decides when I give myself over, I'm Moisir Nefesh, I, I limit myself. That's the biggest giloy of ore of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this world. And why is it Shisha? Why is it this specific amount that he sets to buy this Suda? So Shisha, we spoke about the number four and five. And it's funny, this is very much intertwined with the Rashash. It's hard, you know, without the Rashash, um, and now the writings of Ravitchemeyer and his Talmidim Amitim and, uh, and, and that base medrash of the Balayama Chachma. Uh, f- one is, is two, which is three, which is four, and then four is five, and, and which is really six, which is really 10, which is really one. And all of these numbers become interchangeable and, and they mean something specific in spite of describing the same thing. So the Indian of six are the Shisha Partsufim, uh, the six ways that a Kaddish Baruch Hu expresses himself in this world. The six, for our purposes now, the, 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 the way that a human being can choose to live their lives in any one of these particular pathways and thereby connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who expresses himself through these similar mirror-shadowed images of, of whatever path we're feeling in ourselves. These partsufim, these gestalten, these, these you know, patterns and these configurations. Again, this is, a very, this is not even an explanation of, of what we're not explaining. But, um, but these six modes of experience are referred to as Atik Yoimin, Atik Yoimin, the ancient one, Arich Anpin, the elongated face, Abba, Ima, Zer Anpin Venukva. So those six partsufim. Now, generally, we only count five partsufim, really. But then what we do with the highest parts of, which is the parts of Keser, of desire, so to speak, which is the end and the beginning at once. It's the, uh, it's the ceiling of each level, which becomes the floor of the higher level. It's the, the nothing that congeals into something higher than it. That at the level of Keser, we can split it up. And instead of just looking at it as Arach Anpin, as the elongated face, we find the sixth parts of, which is something referred to as Atik Yoimin, which is... Uh, you know, anybody who sings Shal Shudis by Shal Shudis, when we say the Askinu uh, Sudasa and the and the and the Pismon of the Arizal of Bnei Chala Dichsifin, 
the lashon there is v'ha azmin atik yoimin, v'ha azmin atik yoimin, and we hereby invite the dag of atik yoimin. Atik means removed. That's what all sipuri maisios are about. Sipuri maisios meshanim kadmonios. Ancient times is atik yoimin, which is what the Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is teaching us, as Rabbi Nachman says in the introduction to the uh, stories, which is Torah Samech, that the stories themselves are the Torah of Atika Stima'a. And and Atika Stima is the recognition that we mamish 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 know absolutely nothing, and all we can do is find the deepest pleasure with Amuna Pshuta, the Shashuei Amuna. That in the end of the day, after all of the complications, all we can come back to is the ultimate recognition that all I can do is like a child try and grab hold of Amuna and find the deepest pleasure in that. And to realize that even if a person doesn't feel the pleasure in that, that's even a higher level than feeling the pleasure. And then we'll be Zolcha, as the Rebbe points out, to take that pleasure which we don't feel and be able to feel it eventually when Mashiach comes, whenever it happens. But our feeling it doesn't change the fact that the Iker Tainug available to an individual in this world as Atik Yoimin is Megala, as that Darg of Atik Yoimin, that ancient days, that the Tainug of Amuna Pshuta. It's the Tainug of Amuna Pshuta. That's what, uh, that's what six represents here, perhaps. That why is it that we need six gold coins to purchase that Suda, which is the Suda Sadil of Yasan, which is the Suda of Gan Eden, where Kaddish Baruch Hu finally sees that in fact there can be a Jewish person in this world through the Kayach of Tzadikim, through the Or of the Tzadikim, that a person could not only be truly happy, but be without a worry in the world, to live with the secret of Bitachon. And the only way that we can be Mamshech, that Or of Bitachon, <coughs> is through six. We, we, it's not enough to stop by Arich Anpin. You have to go to Atik Yoimin. You have to realize that, no, even as high as you go, all you're doing is going to another level to realize that you haven't even begun yet. And that's why we need six to be it. In our generation, we have the Koyach of the Tzadikim who teach us that we have access to the sixth. We have access to that Darg of Atik Yoimin, to Emunah Pshuta, to that Mesiris Nefesh, which is the deepest pleasure, the deepest joy of abiding, of being present, of abiding in the moment, of being fully present, of being able to say, I am prepared to be. As the Zohar Kaddish tells us, that's the shame of Aleph K Yud K Eheke. which Rabbi Nachman says is the shame of Tshuva in Taravav, famously. Why? Because Tshuva is Anna Zamin Lemeheve. I am prepared to be. Anna, I Zamin in this moment, I'm prepared, I'm ready, Lemeheve, to be with you, Akadish Baruch. Hu. And that Darga is associated with the name of Eke, which is the name of Bina, which is the Sharish of Bitachon, that capacity to see the future in the present right now and taste it as if it's real, like we spoke about last week. So that Kayach of Bitachon, that name represents Bina and it also represents Keser, which is Atik. Because both of them are giving us the same sense. The koyach of bitachon and that koyach of the tainug on that emuna pshuta of being able to sit with my simple suda and play the strings of my own personal kinor where HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself kabyachol is bending down deeply to listen to me because I'm such a pela elyon. Like Rabbi Nachman teaches us, Ani ish pela v'neshmati pela gadol. I am a wondrous person and my soul is truly wondrous. And as we know, Rabbi Nachman was saying that simply for all of us, right? That means that each and every one of us have to say, Ani ish pele, I have a shaykhus to the pele of keser, to that or of atik yoimin, of viha azmin atik yoimin. 
And I have the ability to be misaneg on the bitachon in my amun apshuta. I can be at that suda and not have a worry in the world. And I'm the answer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's question of could it be that there's possibly a Jew in this world who, who worries less than I do? Yeah, the answer is every Jewish person in the world, every nisham, every human being, specifically in the broken down houses, specifically with the mud outside, specifically by walking around asking simply, why are you doing that? Can I help you? Is there something I can fix here? Because I know things are supposed to be fixed. That's the kayak of the fixer. Fixer is a perpetual state of fixing. No, we went a, a little bit off track, but at least we got up to the to the woodcutter. So next week, Bezra Sashem will meet the stable cleaner, and and then we'll get into the the crux, Bezra Sashem, the the lave of the Maisa, which is the soldier, Bezra Sashem. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page, and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.